0: the mess it up podcast where we take your mess and turn it into a message and now here's biker chick and the bow tie guy hey you found the mess it up podcast i am the bow tie guy
1: i am the biker chick
0: and we're here to uh, help take messes turn them into messages every week at uh well i was going to say at this time but i guess it depends on when you listen um but if you want to listen every time at this time that would be super cool yeah. I think some people think because I tell them it comes out on Tuesday that they have to watch or listen on Tuesday that they can't. You know, some people still don't understand that whole library aspect of the podcast. Mostly older folks, um, but uh, they can Good get job
1: alienating oh. a whole entire no, no, bucket no, no. of people. Because
0: no, they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> not, they haven't figured it out. Oh, I'm busy on Tuesday morning at nine. Um, but anyhow. Oh my God.
1: Where did this yeah. podcast go? We just started.
0: <laughs> yeah, it went, it went downhill in a hurry, right? Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Before you do a loop, the plane goes into a dive, and then that gives us the power to do the loop. So here we go. Ready to loop it up. Word of the week is decorum. She's shaking her head. She can't believe that I just kept on going. I'm not going to push stop. We're just going to keep on rolling through this, because this is how we turn messes into messages. So uh, the word decorum... Was uh, picked, and I was pretty sure that Christina uh, chose this word a couple weeks ago, but she doesn't uh, remember claiming it. But anyhow, decorum. Any any clue about the word decorum? No. It is uh, having good taste and propriety. Ta-da! Paul has no decorum. Well, not today. Yeah, sometimes, but today I'm a little bit a uh, little bit less decorous. Uh, so. Oh boy. Anyhow. Use that word in a sentence, give yourself bonus points, and it'll be outstanding. I just got bonus points. Yeah, you did. Listen, uh, people have been listening to the podcast, and we give them our email address, and we got a really cool uh, email a couple of weeks ago uh, from a person who had been listening, and that's just really great. So if you want to email us, real quick, we'll give them to you the uh, uh, email address for... (laughs) Having a rough time today. Email address for intern Dave is info at mess it up podcast.
1: He's pointing at me, so I'm going to go next. My email address is bikertick at com.
0: And I would be, oh, I forgot to say .com for Dave. Uh, That's okay. For, for Dave, yeah. Okay. And I'm bowtie guy at com. And I guess if you're driving right now, make sure your seatbelt is on because I'm taking us on a wild ride. Uh, yeah, it's he is. kind of gone all over the place. It's a little bit odd because normally we record on Sunday afternoons. And today is not a Sunday afternoon. It's not. And I'm not going to tell people what day it is.
1: Normally, Christina is centered (coughs) by her spiritual experience at church. Yeah. And not all over the place.
0: And normally, Paul has, you know... Yeah, he's Paul. He's Paul. Uh, So, uh, but if you want to find out what day we recorded this, send us an email or a text and I'll tell you what day of the week we recorded it. And I know some of you like to get that kind of information. So I look forward to getting your texts and emails. We are on uh, the interwebs on all the normal social media places, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We also have a a subreddit that I was talking to Intern Dave today and he says he does keep track of things on the subreddit. So say hi to Intern Dave on subreddit. Nice or on reddit and um, yeah. our subreddit is messed up ministries uh so do all those things and it's lots of fun you can also patronize us by going to our uh, website and there's a little button that says become a patron for as little as a dollar a month you can help support the ministry financially and uh, we have different levels of giving from a dollar five dollars ten dollars twenty five dollars a month and it really does help out the ministry so we appreciate your giving and uh, with those different levels There's all sorts of different gifts that you can get for that as well. I'm hoping to make some video content to uh, go to our our Patreon members as well to give them a little bit of something extra. I just haven't gotten my act together enough to do that. So that is coming down the line. Uh, So be looking forward to that. Absolutely. Yeah. So we were talking before uh, the show, as we tend to do, and I was... uh, mentioning to Chris or Christina was mentioning to me that she had sold some stuff online and i was really surprised that she sold some stuff online because not that she would sell stuff but what she sold was like one of the things that i associate with Christina and Christina is, uh, if she wasn't the biker chick, I think at one point she might've been the legging chick. Absolutely. And she let some of those go. Yeah. And so I was very shocked. I, I, I can never see myself selling off my bow ties. Even if I didn't wear them, I could never see myself selling off my CDs or my albums, even though I don't, I mean, I haven't put a CD into a CD player in quite some time right. and even longer to play vinyl, but I hoard these things, and I, I don't like to get rid of of stuff that I have. It's super hard for me to do, and so I was commenting to her that I I found it interesting that she would be able to get rid of these leggings. And what did you say about that, Christine? When you you know the the initial thought on getting rid of them?
1: It it was hard. It, it's difficult. I have some sort of emotional attachment to these things for some reason, and. I don't really know that, but hoard is the great word because that's exactly what I've done. I've got, you know, probably a hundred pairs of leggings roughly. And uh, I didn't want to get rid of any of them. They all had some special something that was attached.
0: And is that something that is consistent with you? Because for me, it's very consistent to be sentimental about things. And like I can save all there right now. In my room, there's a little tiny heart uh, that has a uh, my daughter's name on it, from when she was like in first, second grade. That's in a little pin in the on the wall in the bathroom. I save weird little things like that. So for me, it's very consistent with my nature to not want to get rid of stuff. Is that? Right. Do you have emotional attachments to a lot of stuff that you have, or
1: no? I really don't our house is very minimalistic. We don't have like our living room. We don't have knickknacks or anything like that. We've got like our standard furniture and only usable items on them. We don't have shelves on the wall that hold things. We just have some pictures up there. Um, and it's that way throughout the house minus my craft room, which is a disaster. But to um, so no, I don't have a bunch of things that I'm like,
0: And it's funny because when I go to your house, that's the only place I ever tend to go is in the craft room. So that's the way I see your house does not represent my house. I'm like, gosh, it seems like she does.
1: Yeah. No, (laughs) if you walk into my house, it's completely different. Um, but I tend to be more obsessive. I think about certain things. Like I have a bunch of essential oils and I'm sure some are expiring. Um, I've got a ton of leggings I've got a ton of craft supplies. So it's just certain things that I'm addicted to. Right. For some reason.
0: And that's where I was going to go with this is in our addictions. You know, the things that we hang on to that we're not quite ready to get rid of. Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking in the prison with uh, my class uh, this week and we were talking about that kind of thing. And, you know, one of the elements of my programs that I teach in the prison is... Um, re-entry elements of the program to like getting them ready to get back into society and into a community and behave in a non-criminal way, which is for a lot of them completely foreign because they've been acting in a criminal way for so long. Um, And they can kind of understand enough to give the right answer. Yeah. But then I can see in their behavior that they're just paying lip service to it. Um you know, one of the things we talk about is being able to uh start hanging out with different people, doing different behaviors and saying no to those old behaviors like, yeah, well, I'll just I'll just say no. Right. And then we're in class talking about this and some dude walks past the classroom and like you know, three or four guys turn and they're like, you know, doing hand gestures out the window and they they can't even focus in class long enough to say no to that distraction. And I said, guys, listen, how are you going to be able to do it out there when you've got all the freedom in the world when here you can't even do it for a few minutes to just stay focused? What makes you think you're going to be able to do it? And And we talked about getting rid of those things and there's a lot of stuff in that recovery closet for me right that I've just stored yeah the junk drawer is insane yeah how or have you been able to get rid of your recovery junk um, those relationships or thoughts or patterns or or ways of doing things or ways of looking at stuff I mean what have you done to clear up your baggage or the mess from recovery to get you into this state where you're more stable than you were when you're in the midst of your addictions?
1: Gosh, I think that's just a work in progress daily. Um, some of the tools that I've used obviously are celebrate recovery. Um, I've been in counseling, um, making healthy relationships with people, um, There's a lot of ways that I just continue to try to move forward. I'll give you, I'm in therapy again with a counselor right now, and it's pretty incredible. Just the things that being able to talk through directed guided questions, you know, she obviously knows the questions to lay a foundation of where my trauma, it's specifically trauma therapy, has started and how to kind of backtrack to where those original foundations of fear and mistrust and, you know, the fear of danger, all of those things were laid. So, um, one of the things that we were talking about is my childhood and my dad. And, um, we were talking about the big traumas that I remember, like the big things that pop up. And one of the things I, is my dad used to come home and he pass out drunk or that was pretty much it. Fall asleep, whichever way you want to look at it. He was always drinking, so he was always passing out, not really sleeping. And so he'd sit on the couch and everybody would have to walk on eggshells and be quiet. And if not, like he would wake up and literally ask if the effing house was on fire. Mm. Because if it's not on fire, you better not be waking him up. It was like that big of a, a deal. Right. It's it's not, you know, hey, are you okay? It's do not wake me up unless the most tragic thing is happening. And so my husband, not a lot, but he does lay around and relax on his days off. And so he'll be on the recliner and it stresses me out, Mm -hmm. freaks me out. And I always just was like, yeah, my husband's laying around and he's irritable. And, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. So what, my recent breakthrough is I, because of therapy, I was able to identify some places that I still needed healing. So I was taking what I had learned from my father and placing that on my husband. It actually had nothing to do with his actions, but it was part of my recovery, part of my growth and healing that I hadn't figured out yet.
0: Do you think that was you projecting your youth on him, or was yes. that him just fitting into that slot because of his maleness and head of the householdness? He just fit into that slot in your thing, or is there a difference between those?
1: I don't think there's a difference. I think it was my brain, whatever you know category you want to put it in. It was definitely me categorizing him to the same place my father, which automatically projected that upon him. Right. So it, And I didn't see it. And I think that's why relationship and, um, you know, working through our steps and having accountability partners and sponsors to talk through these things can be really helpful. I happen to need professional (laughs) intervention because I want, I don't want to live in the same stagnant place that I have. And I know there's something wrong.
0: And I don't think that that's odd that you would need professional intervention because I I'm, I'm trying to think through my brain and I can't think of someone who. I can't think of a way or a person where it would be detrimental for someone to have professional. Yeah. You know, it's it's no, I agree. It's healthy, good, yeah. solid, you know, stuff. So it's not a weird thing nope. that you need that. Nope. Uh, sadly, it's a little weird that you admit it, because there's still, I think, a stigma. Yeah. Not as much as there used to be, but still a bit of a stigma for uh, a person, and I think for a lot of males. It's like mm-hmm. an admission of defeat or weakness or right. inability. So I think a lot of males fight that. And as much as I've told people to go to counseling or whatever, I really fought it mm-hmm. because uh, I, I didn't want to have one more piece of data to show that I had messed up.
1: Right. And I think kind of proof that you are, quote unquote, screwed up. Mm-hmm. Oh, he admitted he's going to a counselor. Yeah, see, we all knew he was screwed up. Yeah. It's kind of an admission of it, but I just I know what it does for me. I know the difference between me in counseling and me not in counseling and it's important to have the wisdom of others to rely upon, mm-hmm. whether that is a really good mentor or sponsor um Or a professional counselor or church counselor or pastor or whoever is going to speak life into you and help you sort through because counselors are, are trained to guide you. Yeah. They're not trained to do it for you. So it's still our own desire to, you know, change our lives that is at the foundation of all of that.
0: Right. Now you said something, a couple things that I want to come back to, and I'll see if I remember both of them in time. But uh, one of them was you talked about having healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. How? Because that was one of the things that my my uh, students in the prison were talking about. You know, healthy relationships, and it was something that everybody agreed was good. And then when we got down to defining it, or you know, painting a picture of what does healthy look like? Mm-hmm. It got a whole lot more murky. What do you define? What's a healthy relationship in Christina's life?
1: Someone who's not like me. Uh, okay. For me, for what, what I'm learning, because I have a lot of trauma that I continue to live in and rest in. Um, when I go through and I'm reading these books and looking at my own life. And so it's saying, I'm just going to throw out fake numbers because I don't remember the statistics,
0: but if nothing else we can use 20, fake data.
1: Right. <laughs> Why not?
0: 75% the, of people use fake data. 92% of the day.
1: I was going to say the media does. Why not? <laughs> um, so 25% of people in the world have experienced some sort of adverse childhood experience.
0: Okay. This is that um, ACE thing you were talking about. Yeah. Okay.
1: Or have experienced four or more adverse childhood experiences. So they've experienced enough adverse events in their childhood to create issues in life, physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever. Um, So that means that 75% of the people in this world have three or less. So they have not experienced as many unhealthy obstacles, unhealthy experiences that have changed their their way of processing and looking at life and um and so that blew my mind because I look at the people around me and birds of a feather flock together. Right. So most of my people I'm like, "Oh wow, they're in that 25%." So when I look at the trees around me, they all look like those kind of trees. But if I look closely, they're different from 75% of the other trees in the world. Mm -hmm. And so, finding out how to look for different things than what I'm used to, look for somebody who, you know, it speaks positively, who is encouraging, who is loving, who, you know, has those traits that they don't pull away when things get tough. You know, it's all finding traits that aren't like what I'm used to as far as in a negative way
0: right now there can be some good in the forest as well absolutely because that that sense of camaraderie that i'm not the only person but if that's the only thing you have Mm -hmm. then it, it there there needs to be that that divergence in the people that i'm with for friendships because you know i don't want to surround myself with just people who have you know, committed the same crime that I've committed. Right. But I don't want to isolate myself from them either because they give me some hope and I give them some hope as well. So, you know, some mutual sharing and whatnot. And I think that,
1: but they can also drag you down.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's what I look at for me, the healthy kind of friendship are people who are going to encourage me to achieve, Mm -hmm. to progress, not to stay stagnant or to fall backwards people who are going to um, encourage positivity in my life mm-hmm. and uh, uh, optimistic outlook to see the good in people and to want to continue my journey in making me a better human being those are the kind of people I want I want people to have hope mm-hmm. who have dreams who, who, you know, the similarities I you know, I, I like to hang out with other Christian people. Now I don't want to be, you know, with the 700 club all day long. That's not, you know, my scene, right. but you know, some similarity, but also some, some difference. I think is, that's what I look at as, as a healthy group of, of peers Uh, I think you and I are very healthy together. We don't do everything together. We're not together 24 hours a day or anything like that. But I think the time that we spend together is mutually beneficial because we, uh, we grow from each other's strength.
1: Right. Absolutely. And just one thing I've always had that mentality of, you know, cherishing the relationships that I have around me, but I've also learned that I'm not growing in ways that I would like to grow. And if I'm surrounded by people who are like me or like me in some of the less positive ways, even if they're trying to heal and grow from it, there's not an example of what that looks like. So having an example of multiple people in my life that are financially better off because they manage their money well, they are relationally better off because they know how to have good, happy, healthy friendships. Um, I'm going to learn and grow from those people because their example is very different than somebody who's side by side in recovery with me, you know, grew up with a a hard childhood. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be best friends, but their experiences are going to be similar to mine in so many ways. And so she's... Or he, it's not she. I don't have guy friends. Um, except you, Paul.
0: Ah, uh, my face just dropped. I know, it, you're so like, really wait. Have, man. But
1: I really don't have any male friends. Um, I'm married. I like that boundary. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just, it's not going to open up the opportunity for me to learn how to react differently in, same way, in certain ways. To grow in certain ways. I just think that there is a true benefit to looking for those people who are outside of my norm.
0: Right. And a person, you know, I I want a person to be able to say, Oh, I understand I've been there. I get this, Mm -hmm. but I also want a person that can say, Hey, let's focus on this instead and and show me the, the light out of the darkness, which is hopefully what we're here doing for people as well with, uh, with this podcast. And it's, I think it's really important to, uh, to have that bounce that boundaries, Uh, um, and to have, Someone who can maybe rescue you. And that brings us into our song of the week, which she just rolled her eyes. If you rolled your eyes, send me an email. Say, I rolled my eyes. Maybe just a little eye roll text, uh, guide the emoji. But anyhow, uh, there's a new song out from uh, Zach Williams. It's called Rescue Story. We're going to play this. We'll talk about it on the other side of the break. And I uh, hope you enjoy it.
2: You the in the dead.
1: that says, you are, wait, no, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Fighting my battles for me. And that's the one line that sticks out more than anything. And it's not like I have to ask God to fight my battles. It's not like I have to ask him, say, hey, I need you now. Can you intervene here? Not that I don't pray for intervention from him, but he just knows he is there already. He is in the midst of it. He is, you know, boxing gloves on. Fighting on my behalf all the time and Fair
0: knuckle sister.
1: Absolutely. And I love it mm-hmm. because it just reminds me that someone's on my side all the time.
0: Yeah. For me, what I hear in this is that idea of rescue story. You think about rescue stories, uh, you know, the kitten in the tree with the firefighter or the people that got saved from the burning building or the, Whatever In a rescue story, here's the critical part of any rescue story. Survival. Right. The person made it. This is my I'm still here story that God created. And it's not like, hey, here's where I died. Here's where everything fell apart and ended. It's like, here's where everything fell apart. And here's where God made it better. And that just, that just blows my mind that he does that because I can point to so many times in my life where that's happened. I don't have a rescue story. I have a compendium of rescue stories. She rolled her eyes at the word compendium. <laughs> and that's what I've got. I've got this big collection of things, this this big, just lots and lots and lots of them. And I think about me that when... When we had the earthquake a few weeks back.
1: Oh, not yesterday?
0: Well, we had one yesterday, yeah. Um, Oh, that gives away, maybe. Oh, sneaky. Uh, But I had, you know, we went outside, and then people wanted to go back in. I was like, no, 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 we're out. We're not going back in. We don't need that. And I think to myself, if I was like, you know, a firefighter or, or some first responder and I, I rescued a person out of that burning building, they're like, I've got to go back for, you know, my my dog or my cat or my diary or something like that. I'm like, I just risked my life for you. Why are you going back into that danger? Why are you going back in there? And God gave Jesus for me. And why do I keep on trying to redeem that that you know, forgiveness and that salvation and that redemption over and over again. But he doesn't shake his head and he didn't say, Nope, that was the last time. He's just like, all right, bud, we know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what he does for me. And I just, I love that. And I'm really excited when, when we went to go get this song, I looked and new Zach Williams coming out in October. Uh, so uh, very excited. I love me some ZW. Uh, so, uh, I hope stuff. you enjoyed that uh, that song there. That was uh, that was pretty groovy. Um, I want to kind of roll back to something we were talking about before the break, uh, 25 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were talking in my my prison class about how um, to change those things and 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 move forward in life. And we've been talking about cleaning out that 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 recovery closet or or that room that junk drawer it has to be a willingness to change absolutely it has to be an acknowledgement that I don't need this anymore I remember uh, when I was in the midst of my addiction to pornography like I had all these files saved and I was like gotta get rid of these but what if what if I need them right you know and I know so many people who have that little tiny bit of residue that they can scrape be like well, what if I just need just a little bit to get me by And we keep going back to that that acknowledgement that I'm finally done you know and I've heard people say you know I think I just took my last drink ever it's like no you don't think you did you did let's 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 be done with with that thing and and we know that that relapse is part of recovery. But I always try to look at myself like, I'm not going to say this might have been the last time. I'm like, I need to be done with that need in my life. And that's a hard place for me to be because I do cling on to those things. And I can rationalize the keeping of the thing for posterity or for, you know, just sentimental reasons. Um, you know, I, I knew a guy, he had a lot of his... His torches still didn't want to get rid of the torches. And it's like, well, I don't use them anymore. I could use them for cooking. Mm, yeah, cooking what?
1: Right. Well, I understand where you're coming from, but I also understand, um, you know, from a, a substance abuse person, it's very common to hear in recovery, especially in AA and stuff, not to say, I've quit drinking forever, because that's a lot of pressure. True. Then a lot of people tend to go, You know, I'm just not capable of that long. So I'm not even going to try. And so the mentality of being done just for today and the old adage of one day at a time, time. Mm -hmm. um, that seems to be the side I lean towards more than forever. Because, yeah, I've said, I'm done. I'm done forever. And then those moments that I'm close to relapse or even not, even just when I'm fantasizing about alcohol, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a well you know it's been almost seven years now yeah I think I should be able to have just a couple of beers and stop um, I, wish I could handle this you know and so when I sit there and put the pressure of it's gonna be forever on me it makes me backslide even further
0: yeah I see that when when I was dieting and it's a big win it's not anymore uh, that was a thing with like, all right, you can't ever do this again. You can't ever have dessert again. You can't ever. It's like.
1: No donuts. You know,
0: having that that cheat day, that that whole idea of the cheat day is like, all I have to do is make it for this long. And and I don't recommend that in recovery. Like, okay, it's cheat day. All right, it's cheat you know? day.
1: I'm going to go booze it up. Yep.
0: But right. uh, there has to be, I think at the beginning, probably it is healthier to have that that idea of it's not forever. And at some point though, I think I want to move into feeling like, okay, I can do this. This is my today and I'm still living day to day, but like, I don't even think about it anymore. The idea of living without pornography. Whereas before I was like, I don't know if I can do this. This is, it's, and I felt like that, it's what I am.
1: I think, I think the biggest point is just the mindset of stopping. Like it's in my head. I'm stopping, and this is what I'm going to do: is I'm going to stop for however long it is. You know, regardless of that, today I'm going to stop. Moving forward, I'm going to remain stopped. I don't need any of that old baggage holding me into yeah. the past. Um, it reminded me I used to have a bottle of booze that I kept in my house, and I had it up until about a year ago. It was a bottle of whiskey that I had bought for myself for Christmas and a very expensive bottle of whiskey and it still had some in it. And I I always wanted that there as an option. Today I was choosing not to drink. Mm-hmm. It's not that I didn't have to drink. It's that I was making a con- conscious decision day to day not to drink. And I kept it there as a reminder that I have a choice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I don't recommend that for everybody. right? But in my mindset, that's why I didn't, didn't let it go. And when I finally let it go, it spazzed me out. I was like, oh my gosh, my whiskey's gone. I had grown a personal attachment.
0: Did you throw it away, give it away, or pour it out?
1: Uh, somebody drank it. In front of you? Yeah.
0: Was that harder?
1: Um, it was harder because I was the one that offered it. Um. But it was, it was just a unique situation. And so it was just, I was happier somebody was enjoying it mm-hmm. as an aged whiskey <laughs> <laughs> than then to just get thrown away without, without a purpose. But then on the other hand, I was like, it's booze. What does it matter? So there's still, you know, there's still an unhealthy relationship with alcohol either way you look at it from my perspective. But, um, yeah, I, I just couldn't get back past getting rid of it.
0: It's very difficult to have a binary relationship or binary answers on this and say, this is the definite yes, this is the definite no. So much is uh, situational based on the person, based on what's going on with the circumstances. And I think a lot of people would say, oh, that's just being wishy-washy and right, but but it's different. People people approach things in a different ways. Some people need the rigidity, some people need right. the fluid. I think it's really important though to have people around you to help say, "You know what? I think right now you need a little more rigid or mm-hmm. right now you need a little bit more, you know, flexibility." Right. Uh, and that's why that those accountability partners, those sponsors, those people who understand you, the people who have been there, the people who are still there maybe, right. um, you know, having that variety of people Really, really super important to uh, to make things happen and be healthy. I agree. Yeah. Well, speaking of being healthy, I think this is a healthy time for us to slow down the show and move on to something different like letting people go into the office or whatever it is. Uh, we've kept them for more than a half an hour. But um, I think it's been a whole lot of fun for me. Absolutely. hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get a hold of us, if you want to talk to us about what's going on in your life, we talked about people having different uh Issues in their recovery or different things that they're recovering from. Uh, send us a line, an email to uh, guy at com, or to Christina.
1: Bikerchick at com.
0: And let us know what you're going through in your life. We're always looking for ideas about what to talk about on the show and uh, what to discuss. So we'd love to get you on, get you talking about what's going on in your life. And uh, we will see you next time we mess it up.